Hey. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. Super stoked to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Oh, this is incredible. And so let me, is it Serge? Is that how you pronounce your first name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in Belgium, we, we say Serge or Serge, but um, usually the, the English speaking people, they say Serge, yeah. And, and see, I want to try and get it right with like the Flemish accent, but it, I figured I would uh, <laughs> not have it right. And I'm like, well, I know he's not, he's not uh, like Russian, so it's not Sergey, but. No, <laughs> no, 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 but Serge is fine. Everything is fine. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this, man. Um, I don't know if you know much about us. We've really been reaching out to high level athletes that are open to sharing their experience, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of of the questions I sent over to you just as like anchor points of you guys at the top level and women at the top level of the sport, really just having a quick conversation about um, your racing experience, your training experience and kind of the mindset going through it. Uh, it just sheds so much light and little pearls that other people can pick up and apply to their training, whether they're trying to get to yep. your level or they're trying to do like a grand fondo. Um, so again, you know, thank you, man. This is incredible to have somebody of your caliber and uh, we're, we're super, super grateful. And these podcasts have such an effect on so many people. So greatly appreciate yeah, well, with that. Well, great. Um, yeah, so I'm happy to to share whatever uh, whatever you wanna 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 know. Actually, yeah. Well, so I used to say this was the easiest question, but it's become the hardest question. <laughs> what? Tell me, who is Serge Powell's? So I'm a retired professional cyclist. Um, I've been professional for 15 years. Um, I've been lucky to to be riding for one of the most beautiful teams in the world and um yeah i've done the olympics in uh, 2016 i've got a background of um, uh, applied economics at university but i never really never really used my degree of course to to be working in economics i'm a father of uh, two wonderful daughters uh four and five years old and yeah, now I'm um, I'm development coach at Belgian Cycling. So I I made a transi- the transition after cycling. Um, yeah, pretty well, and I'm I'm happy in the position I'm 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 at now. That's amazing. When you refer to the most beautiful team in cycling, which one is that? Well, there's there's a couple of them, and uh, I was every 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 single one of them really had um, had its charm you know and uh, maybe the one for me that was you know that has had the most magic was uh, MTN Quebeca in 2015 okay um, but I mean I've also I mean I've also had a really a great time in in Quickstep the years before and, and in Sky Cervelo Test Team in Sport Flandre so yeah, even even in in CCC, my last two years, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. So it's, it's nice to 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 get to see all the different cultures. So I was never really in the same team for fifteen years, and 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 that's that's the great thing about it. You're you. So this is literally one of my biggest curiosities. You know, you had the ability to ride with different riders through different teams. I would imagine being you know a kid growing up in Belgium 
that you want to be on quick step. Maybe I'm incorrect in that. Like I can see a lot of kids wearing quick step stuff. What was it? What was the benefit of being on different teams? Was it more from just being around different riders all the time or was it different management styles? Was it the race program? Um, Mm, I think no. I, to be honest, I never really changed teams on purpose. That's, that's the first thing, but what I really like about having seen different cultures is just, first of all, that you meet a lot of different people mm-hmm. that you've ridden uh, also different bikes. Uh, and, and, you know, whenever you, you ride in, in a new Jersey, it's always, um, it's super nice. You know, you, you have that, that new vibe in a, in a, in a different team, which always gives you extra motivation. And yeah, for me, um, it kind of came naturally to, to change every couple of years, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it it widens your, you know, your horizon in, in cycling, and, and it really your everything you learn. Um, I think you learn more when you see more different uh, different teams, different cultures. It's really interesting you say that because I remember, so I used to be in medical device sales before I went full on into cycling coaching, kind of what we're trying to build here. And I remember looking at a guy who was a C-level executive and I was looking through his CV of where he had been. And it was like every two to three years, he was changing, changing up the companies he worked for. And I looked at another guy and I started like, then LinkedIn came out about, and you could see people's path in their career. And I talked to a guy I'm like, why, you know, you're taught as a collegiate student, like you don't want to be jumping around all the time. It makes you look like something's wrong. And the guy was like, no, man, you grow, you gain a lot from where you're at. And then like that ship's kind of going one way. Like it's not a bad thing to jump to a different ship and learn a different culture, get in with different people, yeah. have new problems to solve. And it kind of always stuck with me. I was like, it was just an interesting, different way of seeing it. So it's cool to, to talk to somebody that has had that experience within cycling and um, yeah. to give context to people that might not be super familiar with all the teams and, and what you're talking about, you know, you started back in 26, 2006 on Top Sport yep. Bondarin, which is kind of known as developing pro. Yep. Like you're there and you're going to the next level. Cervelo yep. test team. Um, Ted King was on. I don't know if you guys were on this, at the same time. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He was just on yeah. the other week. And uh, yeah, I saw that. You were on the inaugural Team Sky, which had to be really yeah. cool as that came together. And then you mentioned Quick Step, MTN, uh, now Dimension Data, or the last time I looked at it, and then CCC. Yeah. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, so a really open-ended question, when you look back, or maybe even more one that you think of now working with development riders, what are some of the most important aspects of your training? Um, I realize that's a huge question. Yeah. And actually I think that the most important thing is never forget about the basics, you know? And I mean, the basics is basically it's, Training, uh, nutrition, and rest. And in training, I mean, there's no crazy tricks, you know. It's uh, and basically everybody kind of does the same. But I think a good, a good amount of training, good volume. For me, a lot of medium 
intervals was important, you know, to have that solid base. Um, and then the recovery and uh, the nutrition is actually, is your tool to get, you know, to balance out freshness. And, you know, because you, in the end, more training is better but i mean there is a, a trade-off of course you never want to you, you never want to overdo it and the problem in, in in road cycling is that the racing itself is really adding um i mean it's adding a lot on top of the training you're already doing the the racing is 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 pretty hard i mean if you go to Pyrenees or or, or a grand tour i mean it really <laughs> It really kicks in into your body, you know. It's so. I think that is a mistake that a lot of riders make: is that in the training itself, um, they don't take account into the racing that is still going to come. Also, so mm -hmm. okay, you want to be race ready, but also you want to be able to absorb the racing still during the season, and especially now with you know with the corona situation in belgium for the young riders it's like the, the the it's super important you know to be balancing out or to be flowing you know let's say at 90% of of their shape because they can't really be 100% because they don't they don't know when their when their races are going to start so it's it's yeah it's also really important as as a pro rider like always you know, keep a little bit of freshness into your legs during the season. Never give it all out on training. I mean, of course, training is going to be hard, but it's it's that kind of mentality you, you need to maintain during a season. Dude, that clip right there is, that's like the outtake of like explain training to people in a really good way. And it's funny, you know, that this is one reason why I have a coach, even though I coach people, people are like, why do you have a coach? And I'm like, yeah. because it's really hard for me to hold myself back where my big goals yeah. is resuming here in the U S and two of my big goals mm -hmm. are in June and August. And I have my first race coming up and I'm like, dude, I don't know if I feel ready. Da -da. He's like, you're not, you don't be a hundred percent. If you're a hundred percent right now, we screwed something up. Like you're going yep. to race and then we're going to fine tune. And I'm like, I know, but yeah. I want to go crush people. And he's like, do you want to crush people now? Or do you want to crush people in July? And I'm like, Oh God, dude. Yes, God, exactly. It's so hard yeah. to hold back. It is. I've told people it's not what I'm telling you to do sometimes it's what I'm telling you not to do it. And it's just, it's just us as mm -hmm. creatures. It's hard. Like you, you see fitness, it's growing. You want to do more. You want to add on that. That's um, amazing to hear from you say that jumping back. And if I ask you like a why question or like follow it up, it's not that I'm questioning you. It's just, I know people want more detail. When you mentioned volume, what would you classify as big volume for, um people trying to race so like in the u.s category one racers will race against the um you know lower level professionals what would you say is high volume for that group of people or people trying to race pro and then what did you consider as medium uh riding like tempo riding or if you could define that yeah let's say in the end i think up to you know let's say 30,000k a year i think the more volume the more you train the better of course you need to be able you know to fit it in your work schedule or you know for people who 
who have other activities. And as I said, the recovery and your nutrition, that is going to be crucial as well in the time you're not training. And, but I, in general, I would say the more you can be on the bike with just endurance rides, I mean, the better, because you're going to, you're going to, you know, have benefits from riding more. But then what for me, you know, as I, as I, uh, as I mentioned already, the, the medium sessions, they were really crucial because that is what I started to build up from, let's say, December until, you know, the whole year round. And that is medium is, is let's say, defined as between 80 and 90 percent of your uh, threshold power. Okay. So for me, if my if my threshold was around, let's say, 375, then medium would be between 300 and 340 watts, mm -hmm. more or less. And I started, let's say, in December with uh, two times 15 minutes at 300 watts, and then uh, you know, step by step, building up to. Uh, two times 20, three times 20, 310, 320, you know, like always gradually uh, increasing so that you always just go a little bit out of your comfort zone, but never, you know, really out of yourself. And it's like a progressive overload. And in the end, you're playing, you know, you're doing, uh, let's say, four times 20 minutes at 340 and you you feel like, you know, the same as, as the ones you were doing at 300 in December. And that was something I really kept doing the whole year round. Um, and then on top of that, I, uh, I did a little bit of threshold work. Um, and that was more like eight minutes uh, power intervals. Um, and um, yeah, that's, that's basically it. Then, then I spiked the, 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 the medium session. So I, I did like, um, 30 second spikes within the, within the medium. So every five minutes, like a, a 30 minute spike above 500 Watts, let's say, but I never really did, um, very anaerobic, uh, sessions. I, I, uh, I really didn't feel a lot of benefits from it. And I, it kind of, I always felt like, like it was, um, not helping me a lot because, mm -hmm you get these kind of efforts already in the races, in the races. And, and yeah, I think, uh, for me, it was better not to, to overdo it with the anaerobic sessions. It's really popular here in the U S to overdo like the group rides and to overdo the like super hard smashing and people are like, well, I feel like I'm getting fit. I'm like, well, to a certain extent, because you're riding like maybe eight to 10 hours, it's good to get some efforts in, but you know, there's some yeah. interesting stuff coming out about, now more seen train as we're turning the dials. Like if you become more anaerobic, your FTP is going to go down. And then the physiological side, you're going to start undergoing glycolysis sooner. And then all these things that yeah. we're learning more about training is really interesting. So to hear, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. There's a future Olympian <laughs> in Belgium. That's awesome. 
Um, so it's okay. Do you think that was more because of the type of rider that you were? Do you, did you have other teammates that would do more anaerobic stuff or, and was that maybe more if they're more of like a puncher or how would that apply to their like different types of races? I think maybe, I think it was basically because, um, because I was a kind of rider that felt that I had to, you know, I needed a lot of depth in my, in my shape, uh, you know, for the races I wanted to do and for the grand tours and for the, the breakaways. Um, and also, yeah, just, just my, my, my feeling, because, uh, of course I, always, I also tried the, the anaerobic stuff, but I, I never really felt like it was doing me, um, doing me so good. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to think in my head of somebody, did you ever race with like Philippe Gilbert? Yeah. So would he, course. like, he strikes me as somebody that was maybe hitting those efforts more often just cause that's like his finishing move or do you think he would agree with yeah. that or do, would he maybe do that more often? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think he, he probably did more of the, anaerobic training sessions but i i don't really know exactly what he what he did yeah uh but again he's also yeah he, he was more of a, a classics uh type of rider one day rider yeah. one one day uh race uh yeah it really depends what, what you what you're looking for in in the races also and what kind of rider you are yeah yeah fair enough um were there any so then as you were you doing any like lifting or cross training during that like december to early yeah. race season yeah um and even even more and more i would say every year um i really i really rated the the gym work um and i even tried to to keep doing it during the season, like once a week, which is a, a challenge because obviously when you're racing a lot, and for example, if you come back from a from a race like Dauphiné or you, or Pyrenees or whatever, the last thing you want to be doing on Mondays is, is go to the gym and, and lift weights, you know, because uh, and then and then it it takes then it's been two weeks since you've been in the gym last time and and it, you know it's going to be sore, so. It's it's a challenge to keep doing it during the race season, but for sure, um, my best years were were the years where I had a lot of or some decent gym work uh, in winter. And without having to make you get super granular, do you lift heavy, or was it more like fifteen to twenty reps and a little bit lighter, or did you mix it up? In the beginning, in the beginning, like the early years, I did more like fifteen twenty, but then. Um, the last couple of years, um, it was more like between eight and four to five repetitions, actually. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, I know lifting is so important. I love lifting. I'm still trying to, just what you said, I'm trying to figure out how I balance it with like, you know, when you get a plateau in lifting, then I'm like, am I just tired or is it just the lifting? I need to change things up and I'm yeah. really excited for down the road, maybe in five, 10 years when lifting is just more incorporated into cycling and there's better ways to track it. And I'm like, ah, yes. I guess I'll give it 60 TSS, like just a random number. Um, <laughs> the thing is with lifting, you know, you start doing it, let's say three times a week, November, December, and then 
you you start riding more and more and so you become more fatigued and then yeah you as you said you you're reaching a plateau with the lifting because you you're not as fresh anymore mm-hmm. because you're you're riding more more often so um you can't lift these heavy heavy weights anymore when you've been riding four hours a day before and maybe two three in the morning before the before the lifting session so but yeah, I think I still believe, really believe in the benefits. Um, your muscles, they become much more responsive. And um, But then again, there is also, um, there is also the other trade-off because in the winter, I always reached um, a body weight of over 70 kilos. And in the, in the summer, I, I was under 65. So I was always... There was always five kilos of difference and it was not only fat it's also a bit of muscle and water weight and um you know to, to get really really lean i also didn't want to i also had to lose a little bit of muscle so it's it's really like that's that finding a balance again um yeah how did you find that balance being you're one of the guys being a grand tour rider like the watts per kilo definitely matter where was the trade-off when we were like i want to lose another kg or i might lose a little power was it just experimentation over the years that you're like this is where i'm at this is my best this is when i'm flying yeah you know kind of your your ideal body weight and uh usually when before i went to the tour i always wrote the dauphine which is another big race in france uh three weeks before the tour de france and that was always like my kind, my last wake up call. So, you know, of course I was, I was race ready, but I was still one or two kilos heavier than in the tour. And, and you could feel it. I could feel in the Dauphine always that I was, you know, strong, but maybe not on my best in the, in the mountains. So then after that, I knew, or I could, you know, predict how much I still needed to, to lose to, to be hundred percent ready. Okay. What's, did you have any, so as you went through your lifting, you're doing the medium training, the volume, as you get into the race season, you know, as you had made the comment of the racing's hard, did you do maybe like a Tuesday training session or did you have any favorite intervals or types of rides that you would do that you're like, okay, I feel really good. They were almost like a little litmus test as the racing went on, or was it just the racing was a litmus test and you were recovering in between each race. Mm, every three months or let's say before an important race, I did one specific session and that was uh, just a one hour all out. Dude, that's <laughs> amazing. And uh, I mean, it's, there's no better way to, to know, to know your threshold than just, you know the power that you can maintain for one hour just to ride one for one hour and the thing is it's not it's not really about uh it's not really about the power or about the effort but it's about having no excuses and knowing like every year or every three times a year or so four times a year before the tour or before pay basque or whenever the classics I did that one hour session and it's like no excuses. I'm going to ride for one hour as hard as I can and see what power I can get for one hour. And, um, 
it felt always really good to to have done it you know it's uh and then i always felt like i'm, I'm ready that's awesome did you have a like a local climb that you would go to like a mountain or were you just no because when i did it i i did it on the flat i have like a well, I live in, in Belgium in an area where it's pretty flat. And of course, I, I also went a lot of, to Italy and Spain to train in the hills. But when I was at home, uh, I train. I have, yeah, I, I have a lot of flat roads here. So, But the good thing is that I have a lot of canals um, where I can ride next to without having to stop. Mm. So I had a section, you know, pretty much for one hour where I could ride along the canal or the river uh, without having to stop or, or almost not having to stop and uh, yeah so it's it's almost yeah it's 40k or something uh, yeah I can picture In, where you're talking about I can picture where you're talking about I was riding from Leuven to Mechlin and went up to Antwerp yeah similar and, something like that yeah it was a super fun ride it was but yeah extremely flat it's awesome yeah Got two last training questions for you. Um, is there anything that you find yourself that you had to adapt to in training as you went through these 12 years of being pro or maybe even looking back to when you first started, things that had just changed where by the end you were like, man, I can't believe we were doing that 10 years ago or something like that. Things that have just changed over the years. Um, yeah. I remember, for example, in uh, Sport Flander in my first three years that um, we had, well, so it's a, it's a, it was a Belgium, a Flemish team. So we always in the winter, I think two times a week, Tuesday or and Thursday, we came together and we had group rides. And in the beginning in November, it was like, yeah, it was just very relaxed and we rode three hours or so. And then in the afternoon, we, we went uh, and we played football. So, <laughs> uh, soccer, you know, as you, yeah. as you call it probably. So, and yeah, it was, it was super fun, but I cannot really imagine, uh, <laughs> they're playing soccer at, uh, Jumbo Visma or, or, uh, in Ailes right now in November, they they they'll be already at, uh, at altitude. So, um, um, maybe a little cross training never hurt, you know, who knows? get some lateral yeah. movement there from the football. Um, yeah. You mentioned then like, you know, training being pretty basic, having it training, nutrition, rest. Was there any small thing that had a big impact or was it really those three or maybe something small within there that people don't think about? I believe a lot in heat adaptation. Ah. And for me, that was, and I still believe it's uh, it's more important than altitudes. Um, I really, I really think for me that was kind of the holy grail to to be training in. Uh, and for me, it was Tuscany in, in Luca um, or or in Spain. But usually before the tour, I went to to Tuscany and to be training in thirty four or thirty six degrees uh, Celsius. I don't know if you mm -hmm. if you use Celsius or, or Fahrenheit. It's but, super uh, hot. But anyway, pretty hot. And you um, you want to really hit the wall, you know, like uh, really, you know, come home after training, you know, with your legs like half the size of, you know, at the start of the ride, let's say, uh, having lost three kilograms during the ride, 
uh, a really red face and because that is when you know when the adaptation is is going to happen and so usually when when i had these kind of uh rides then a couple days later the effect was immediately there so like you kind of gain let's say 20 or or even 30 watts like in in my medium intervals with the same heart rate it's it's incredible and um for me it was really it was really important to to do these sessions in the heat because also in the tour if you want to if you want to do well you need to be able to perform to push the power after four hours in in uh, 30 or, or 30 degree uh, 35 degrees or whenever you know whatever the the temperature is but it, but usually it's it's very hot and and that is the you know the the bottleneck or or the the factor that is important in in your performance more yeah, that, more than altitude i think yeah. that's really interesting i moved down to the southern part of the us a few years ago and i was a mess at like local races i was just like sweating so much not acclimated and people say oh yeah two weeks and i'm like it took me about a year and a half of just being in hot heat where I could go out and ride hard, like three hours into a ride. And it shows when we have us nationals with the country being so large when it's in the Southeast or I mean, you know, I guess we haven't had one in the Southwest in a while, but people that are from the Northeast, they just melt. It's like, you might as well not even yeah, show yeah. up. You have no chance. Um, yeah. not, they do have a chance, but it's much tougher. So <laughs> that's good to hear do you use sauna then at all uh yes but i don't have a sauna at home but um that's also something i did when whenever i was in spain and, and a particular hotel i always went to then after training i went to do into the sauna but i think i still think the best the best thing is to have the heat in training mm -hmm. and uh to really yeah, to do your sessions in in the heat, and um, wow, that gives for me gives the, always the best um, the best trigger for uh, for training adaptation. Awesome! All right, everybody, that is part one with Serge Powell's. Uh, just wait for part two. We get into some more of the races and a whole lot more. As Serge is involved with the Belgian development team, so there's a lot more training tips that you can apply to your own racing. Thank you, Serge, again. Uh, we'll be back later in the week with part two. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you taking two minutes. And if we've earned a five-star review, to leave us one. Uh, and, you know, if you can share this with a friend, we're just trying to grow and help more athletes get better. And we have these world-class phenoms sharing their knowledge. Please take the time to share it with somebody else so they can benefit as well. All right, hope you have a great start to the week and that your training's going well. Talk to you soon.